You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox from Pro Football Focus and USA Today's BearsWire.com. And we're here to once again bring you another dose of Chicago Bears talk, getting you through this last July month here without Bears football. It's right around the corner. Training camp is just about here. But today, we're going to continue our early regular season schedule previews with a look at the New York football giants. We'll take a look at what to expect from Eli Manning this season, how the Giants' new 3-4 defense is going to look and how that's going to function. And we'll wrap up, as always, with a look at what to expect from them in terms of win-loss and a regular season finish for those Giants. I think the New York Giants in particular are another one of these interesting wild card teams in the sense of who knows what to expect from them. You know, I think there's some similarities to the Bears in the sense of, you know, a new head coach with an offensive mind coming in and and cleaning up the mistakes of the previous regime. And this is a team where if everything goes right, they can be pushing for a pretty successful season sort of in the way of the Bears. But they're, they're relying on some different factors to kind of come together like Chicago. And we'll kind of see where this comes, because I think the Giants are a team that some people look on paper on the Bears schedule and write that one up as a win and just based on the poor play we saw last year but as we'll find out in our conversation with Mr. Ed Valentine from Locked On Giants things might be a little bit better this season in New York than you think just simply the addition by subtraction of the previous head coach Ben McAdoo let's get into it joining us now on Locked On Bears is Ed Valentine he is one of the hosts of Locked On Giants here on the Locked On Podcast Network, and he is the editor over at Big Blue View on the SB Nation network of sites. Ed, I know we uh, we tried to link up for a crossover before. didn't turn out exactly the way that we wanted to from a technical standpoint, but I appreciate you coming on here to, to break down Giants for us. Hey, no problem. You know, I always like to talk Giants. So, uh, you know, it's still the middle of the summer. We're still waiting for a training camp to get started, and I'm, I'm glad to be on with you today. Well, you know, in Chicago, we have the fortune of training camp getting started really soon here with the Hall of Fame game. The rookies have already reported, and I think the veterans come just a couple of days from now. So getting getting on the edge of real football content, and I, I can feel for you still having another week of potential dead time with, you know, between podcasting and writing, I know it, it can be a little bit rough to continue to produce quality content this time of year. It can be, but it's, you know, with a week left, it's kind of cranking up and, and uh, you know, we're, we're ready to go. I mean, at this point, I'm already starting to feel like I'm in, I'm in training camp mode. So, uh, so I, I don't know about you, but, you know, as much as I like the summer vacation kind of time, I'm, I'm ready for, uh, I'm ready for some football. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. And to, to catch up some Bears fans on where the Giants kind of stand as they get ready for training camp. Let's let's move back to the hiring of Pat Shermer. 
you know, this was a coach that I thought the Bears should hire. We talked about it on this podcast back when both of these teams were looking for their head coach of the future. What, what is the feeling around the identity of the team with Pat Shermer and, and sort of the, the post-Ben McAdoo era in New York? Oh, you would have to bring up Ben McAdoo's name after a week when he has been talking to Peter King and basically throwing everyone connected with the Giants under the bus and you know, but I but I don't really want to talk about Ben McAdoo all that much. <laughs> I've I've talked about him enough. Uh let me say this. When uh, you know the Giants fired Ben McAdoo and GM Jerry Reese toward the end of last season an in-season firing, which for a very conservative Giants organization was an extraordinary step to take, not to allow both of those men to finish out the season. That's something that, that Giants ownership is loath to do, and it just speaks to, to the depths to which they had fallen that they went ahead and did that. Um, one of the things when the Giants hired Pat Shermer, Dave Gettleman and John Mara, the co-owner, kept referring to is that he came off as an adult. He came off as a responsible adult. And to be honest with you, that tells you a whole lot about the Ben McAdoo era and what went on last year. I mean, it was it was total chaos, uh, lack of discipline. In a lot of cases, it simply felt like uh, – you know, it, it felt like junior high instead of a professional football team, the way the way things were going on in the locker room. So the first thing that Pat Shermer has brought back to the Giants is a sense of professionalism, a sense of order, a sense of a a quality human being at the top of the food chain here with the Giants who, who treats people with respect he tries to build relationships you know, with players, with media, with staff. Um, and all of that was missing under Ben McAdoo. I mean, it seems elementary. It seems like a basic, easy thing. But it's a it's a huge step in the right direction for the Giants, considering uh, where they came from a year ago with Ben McAdoo. There's some real real parallels there to the Chicago Bears a few years ago when they fired Mark Trestman and had a lot of those similar situations. And the parallel continues, I think, with the quarterback position. You know, the Bears at the time opted to stick with Jay Cutler through the next head coach and GM combination. The, the Giants, obviously, still rolling with Eli Manning, didn't invest an early draft pick in a quarterback of the future just yet. I know last year he kind of had some ups and downs. Are, are you expecting an improved and reinvigorated Eli Manning with, with Pat Shermer? Or how big of a question mark is he entering this season? Well, he's a huge question mark, but I am expecting much better play you know, from Eli. He's a question mark until he goes out and provides it to you. But I'm in the camp, and Giants fans are always divided Shoot, Giants fans have been divided about Eli Manning ever since I started with Big Blue View in 2007. Even after two Super Bowls, there were still people who weren't sure how good Eli Manning was. And we're still arguing about what Eli Manning is. I'm in the camp that says, look, 
what he had to work with last year, Odell Beckham played four games and was probably really only healthy in the last one that he played. Um, you know, after missing time in, in training camp in the preseason, you know, with a high ankle sprain. In the fifth game of the season, they lost Odell Beckham, Brandon Marshall, and Dwayne Harris, three receivers for the season. They lost Sterling Shepard for five or six games. You know, Eli Manning was throwing to a bunch of guys, you know, the second half of the season who aren't even in the league anymore. So, and the Giants went through, I think, 10 or 11 different starting combinations on the offensive line. I look at last year, and to be honest with you, I just throw it out because I don't know how a quarterback, any quarterback, I don't care if it's Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, I don't care who it is, I don't know how any quarterback could have been truly successful with what Eli Manning had to work with last year. Well, in Chicago, we know a thing or two about a poor supporting cast for a starting quarterback. And actually, that might be headed towards the case with the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, earlier this week, the franchise tag extension deadline came and passed, and Le'Veon Bell didn't get a deal, and now he'll be holding out through the preseason potentially and entering his final year with the Pittsburgh Steelers. As part of the Locked On Podcast Network here, Tony Serino from Locked On Steelers is here to update you on the latest and greatest around the NFL with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Le'Veon Bell. Hey everybody, it's Tony Serino from Locked On Steelers and the deadline to reach an extension with players under the franchise tag came and went on Monday afternoon and the Pittsburgh Steelers and Le'Veon Bell were unable to get a long-term deal done and that likely means now that Le'Veon Bell will be playing 2018 as his last year as a Pittsburgh Steeler. It is a sad day in Pittsburgh. It likely means the end of the Killer B era the end of the Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, Ben Roethlisberger era in Pittsburgh. So much hype, uh, so much excitement about that offense. And to this point, they only have two playoff wins to their names and really a, a very disappointing loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars a season ago. If this team doesn't win a Super Bowl in 2018, it will go down as a as quite the failure of offensive talent or quite the, the failure to uh, to capitalize on such offensive talent. The, the, the Super Bowl window in Pittsburgh certainly closing a little bit now that Le'Veon Bell is, is going to be leaving after this season. And you have to wonder if that's going to be a burden on this team, if, if the burden of knowing that Le'Veon Bell will be leaving uh, weighs on this team at all in 2018 as they try to make another push uh, towards a Lombardi trophy. If you are a fan of another team and, and you are hoping to, to get Le'Veon Bell during the 2019 offseason, well, you know, you be ready to pay a hefty price tag for Le'Veon Bell. It was reported that the last contract offer to Le'Veon Bell was five years, $70 million, with $33 million of that in guarantee. That was $14 million per season, and Le'Veon Bell turned that contract down. He will likely be looking for in the range of $15, $16, maybe even $17 million a season. Again, he wants to reset the running back market back to where it was when Adrian Peterson got his big deal back in 2011, and he has said before that he wants to be paid not just as the best running back, 
but as a great wide receiver as well. So, again, if your team is looking for a running back and has that kind of cap space, he will be available in March of 2019. If you want to hear more about this Le'Veon Bell situation, you can search on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you find podcasts. Search for Locked On Steelers. You can find me there. Otherwise, head over to LockedOnSteelers.com. You can find the podcast there. Give it a listen. Thank you very much. We're talking New York Giants here with Ed Valentine from Locked On Giants. Ed, you mentioned Odell Beckham Jr. there, and he's entering the final year of the contract. I know there was some some friction early on with the new regime and whether or not he was going to be welcome there. Seems like he's sort of back in the fold, and I think he has said he's going to attend training camp without a holdout, but do you expect his you know, off-field situation to linger a little bit here and, and remain a storyline through the season? Or do you think the Shermer and, and Gettleman regime will be able to do a good enough job of kind of pushing it off until he actually gets closer to free agency after the season? Well, I think that both sides have done everything they can to make it a non-issue. It's always going to be an issue because everything with Odell Beckham is an issue. No matter what he does, it, it's always an issue. It it always, you know, brings about some sort of argument. So, but Pat Shermer and Dave Gettleman have done a lot of reaching out to Beckham. They've done a lot of relationship building with Beckham. You know, Beckham, you know, for his side, reported to OTAs. He didn't do a lot of work because he's still coming back from the fractured ankle. But he was around for a lot of the OTAs. He did a little bit of on-field work just in individual drills. He reported for the mandatory mini camp. He's been a good citizen. He hasn't, you know, pouted about the contract. He he hasn't threatened to hold out. Now, who knows? He still may hold out. I don't know. I mean, he said he wouldn't, but who knows? Um, I do think that something has to happen with his contract sooner or later. And, and the current sort of narrative with the Beckham deal is that I think it's going to get done. And I think it's going to get done this season. But... You have a guy coming off of a major injury, and I think that you're talking about probably the richest contract in NFL history for a wide receiver. I think what the Giants would like to see is I think they would like to make 100% sure that he's healthy, that he's the player that he used to be, that there's no lingering effects from, you know, from the ankle injury that he had last year. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a contract either right around the time the season starts or shortly thereafter. Well, I know the Giants have been investing in building that offense around Eli Manning with Saquon Barkley in the first round and a a lot of money going into that offensive line with Nate Solder in free agency and then Will Hernandez in the second round last year or this year. I know last year the, the offensive line was a pretty big problem. I, I recall Ben McAdoo recently throwing Eric Flowers under the bus, which may or may not be a little bit deserved in terms of the accuracy of the comments. But how much improvement are you expecting on this offensive line? You know, it seems like the left side with Solder and Hernandez is going to be pretty solid there. But how much of a concern is that right side? And, and as a whole, how do you think that affects Eli Manning? Well, let me say this. I don't think Ben McAdoo should have said what he said about Eric Flowers, 
but he was probably right. Yeah, that's what I meant. Like he should have he should have kept it to himself, you know. But you know, because it 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 doesn't do anybody any good for him to come out and say it. But I look at the offensive line and I look at it this way: Nate Solder is overpaid. All right, he got the he got a sixty-two million dollar contract with I don't even remember how many millions guaranteed that makes him the highest paid left tackle in the league. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he's the best left tackle in the league because he's not close to the best left tackle in the league, but he is a good one. He is a dependable one. He upgrades the left tackle spot. Believe it or not, for all of the issues that you have with Eric Flowers, you push him to the right side, and he upgrades just about anything the Giants used at right tackle last year. So you have two upgraded spots you know, on the edges, very important for Eli Manning. I'm very optimistic about Will Hernandez. We really like what we've seen from him, you know, in the spring. But, you know, obviously you have to see the pads come on. I think this offensive line could and should be better. Now, is it going to be dominant? Is it going to be a top five offensive line? I, I don't know that. I wouldn't be foolish enough to say that. But I'm optimistic that the Giants will get better play out of this group and, and give Eli Manning a fair chance, you know, to get the ball out to Saquon Barkley and get the ball out to Odell and, and do more than what we saw last year, which I call I call it catch and release quarterbacking. Because the, the whole deal last year was catch it and throw it before you got hit. It wasn't, you know, catch it and, and look for the best place to throw it. It was catch it and throw it somewhere before you got hit. How how do you think, I mean, moving to the other side of the ball here, you know, as Eli struggled to have time to throw and, and opposing pass rushers got after him, how do you anticipate the Giants' pass rush adapting to this 3-4 defense? I know it's going to be weird for me when you to watch the New York Giants not be in a 4-3 for how long they were with Spagnolo and, and, you know, the, the previous regimes before – James Betcher comes and takes over this defensive, you know, this defensive unit. Uh, you know, where does and where does the the trade of Jason Pierre-Paul kind of fill in this? I mean, how much of a drop off and how much of a transition are you expecting from the Giants' ability to get after the quarterback? Well, I'll say this: when I look at the Giants, it's kind of surprising that, considering that they haven't scored thirty points in a game uh, since Tom Coughlin was the head coach. It's kind of surprising that I look at the Giants and I'm more worried about the defense than I am about the offense. And in particular, you hit the nail on the head here. In particular, I think the issue on the face of it is going to be pass rush. They traded Jason Pierre-Paul, who was their leading sacker last year, I think with eight and a half, um, and I was in favor of that trade. If they're going to go to a 2-3-4, to a Jason Pierre-Paul's not really a great fit. I look at Pierre-Paul as a guy who has a massive contract that I saw as an albatross, uh, a guy with not only the hand issue, but he's had shoulder issues and back issues. And and I, I look at a guy who's who I see as a declining player who's not going to be worth the money that he's getting you know, over the next couple of years. You know, that said, what the Giants are left with is only Olivier Vernon as a proven pass rusher. 
They have high hopes for Lorenzo Carter, who they drafted in the third round. But what you see with the Giants is they are going to have to scheme pass rush. They're going to have to be creative, use some different sets, bring some blitzes from from different angles. Even if they bring four, they're going to have to bring, you know, four from different places. So it's it's going to be a situation where I don't see the Giants just being able to line up and beat teams, you know, going straight ahead and rushing the passer. They're going to have to create ways to do that. And, and when you create ways to do that, you also create ways to leave yourself vulnerable in the back end. Just how vulnerable might the New York Giants be this season? Coming up next, we'll take a look at what to expect from Pat Shermer in year one and whether or not the Giants can be a potential playoff contender in 2018. Keep it locked here on Locked On Bears. How are you expecting this secondary to look different under Betcher, I mean, I know his Cardinals defense, you have a guy like Tyron Matthew and, and even Dion Buchanan, who's, you know, with these versatile safeties and Buchanan more of a, a linebacker hybrid and, and Matthew kind of working in the slot and all over the field. Like, do you expect to see Landon Collins potentially step down into a linebacker role sometimes in, in certain sub package situations and get other safeties on the field? Or do they not have the talent yet in terms of depth to be able to get too creative in the secondary? I think probably the latter. I'm not sure, you know, how their secondary is going to work out. It was interesting when we talked to Betcher, we asked him about the the Landon Collins, Dion Buchanan comparison, and he wasn't buying that one. He wanted to compare Collins more to guys like, I think it was Tony Jefferson and some of the other guys who who he had in the secondary and moved around. He didn't really want to talk about Collins in that sort of money backer or pseudo linebacker role. He was looking at him more as a as a, a true defensive back. But for me, the secondary with the Giants is a bit of an issue just because I don't see a lot of depth there. You have Janoris Jenkins and, and Eli Apple on the outside, and if Eli Apple can can put all of last year's difficulties, you know, personal and on the field behind him. He is a talented player. Janoris Jenkins is a talented player. Collins is one of the best safeties in the league. You know, but we worry about the depth after those two guys at corner. We worry about getting productivity, you know, from the the safety position next to Collins. And I think it's going to be a circumstance where the Giants are going to have to mix and match until they find some guys maybe that they're that they're comfortable with, you know, in uh, in regular roles. So to kind of wrap up here, we, we take a step back and, and look at this Giants team, obviously going through transitions on both sides of the ball, certainly uh, maybe a little more on defense, but an adjustment offensively as well. What, where do you expect this team to produce from a, a win-loss perspective, you know, I don't need an exact prediction, but, you know, like, was it overachieving in, in 2016 when McAdoo got them to 11-5? and five, Or, you know, is that is that sort of what the, the sh- they're shooting for this year to kind of get back to where they were before things fell apart? Or is this a longer-term kind of transition to get back to being a contender? 
Well, I look at it this way. I do think that 2016 was a bit of an overachievement. Uh, they spent a lot of money on some defensive free agents. Steve Spagnuolo was able to get the, the absolute maximum out of that group that year. Their offense was still um, basically non-existent, except for just enough plays from Odell Beckham to, to help them win some games. You know, they've missed the playoffs now five out of the last six years. They've been under 500 most of those years. So they have a mountain to climb here. You know, that what they're banking on is the fact that they still believe in Eli Manning. They still believe that if they surround him, you know, with talent, with an offensive line that's functional, that he can play winning football, that he can get the ball to the right people, that he still has enough arm strength to be able to do that. Um, they're banking on James Betcher to be able to to fix this defense, to get enough out of it, to at least make it respectable. I don't know what to expect out of this Giants team in terms of wins and losses, but I look at it this way. The way that they've structured what they've done, choosing to, to draft Saquon Barkley instead of Sam Darnold at number two, choosing to build around Eli Manning and saying, we think we can win now, you know, we still believe we have a quarterback who can win games if we if we put the right team in place. I feel like the Giants have got to make the playoffs. I feel like the the path that they've chosen in order to justify that path, they have to be a playoff team because they chose the path of not building for the future, staying in the present and trying to win now. So if they don't win now, and I don't necessarily mean a Super Bowl, if they're not a winning team that gets to the playoffs, then the, the narrative is going to be that they chose the wrong path, uh, you know, and, and that, that building around Eli was a mistake. Well, Ed, that was phenomenal. New York Giants analysis. I want to remind everyone you can listen to more Giants talk with him and his co-host Pat over on Locked On Giants, and you can find his written work over at Big Blue View, where he is the editor. And Ed, I got to applaud you. Adding Mark Schofield from Locked On Patriots onto Big Blue View is an excellent, excellent hire. Oh, thank you. I mean, I am I am thrilled to death to have Mark Schofield on board at, at Big Blue View and. You know, we recently were able to uh, to add a couple of of really good writers, and and Mark is sort of like the 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 big prize out of all of that. And and believe me, I'm uh, I'm I'm just as excited as as anyone to have Mark on board. Well, I appreciate having you on board today for this podcast. Like I said, the the Giants analysis is second to none, and I, I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Ed Valentine of Big Blue View and Locked On Giants here on the Locked On Podcast Network for joining us on today's podcast to break down his New York football giants. I don't know about you, but I, I came away a little bit surprised with the expectations for what New York could do, but I, I totally agree with his standpoint that if they invest in Eli Manning and around Eli Manning instead of the future, then the expectation should be immediate success in 2018. And I also appreciated how, you know, Ed is objective and 
doesn't rush to assume that, oh, yeah, they will be successful this year. There's not a, you know, he's not a homer, just like we try and avoid here on Lockdown Bears. Really appreciate Ed's perspective and his personality and everything. Just a, I think, a phenomenal guest for a number of different reasons. If you enjoyed our conversation, make sure you subscribe to the Lockdown Bears podcast on whatever podcast listening app it is you choose to use. We're also available on your smart speakers, whether it be the Amazon or the Google devices. You can just ask your personal assistant to play Lockdown Bears, and they'll be able to find it for you through our different radio podcast apps and, and channels. So many different ways to consume Lockdown Bears. Plenty of ways to keep up with us on social media, whether it be facebook.com slash Bears or on Twitter and Instagram at Bears. Of course, my personal account is at Cox Sports one So plenty of ways to continue the Bears talk even beyond just the podcast. Like I've been saying, we're bringing the podcast back at you here full force with training camp starting up. We'll be continuing our regular season schedule preview here with the Los Angeles Rams coming up next, but we'll also get into some more formal training camp preview and kind of mix it up here, bouncing back and forth between the two, giving you a little bit of a a different mix from day to day to give you just different ways you can consume Lockdown Bears and different Bears talk. We're not going to overload you with training camp, training camp, training camp, training camp, or overload you with schedule preview after schedule preview after schedule preview. It's a nice little back and forth. I hope you enjoy the variety of content we've been able to bring you here. I know we'll be getting more tangible football talk moving forward, which I think is always encouraging. You know, Yesterday, we were able to dive into this Roquan Smith contract situation and in the sense I'm glad it hasn't been resolved so soon I was worried I'd record that whole podcast and then wake up the next morning and Roquan Smith would sign his rookie contract and report to camp and there'd be no reason to listen but selfishly for me Roquan Smith remains unsigned and not playing with the Chicago Bears practicing with his teammates just yet if you want more on that situation and why I don't think you should be too concerned Make sure you listen to the last episode of Lockdown Bears before this one. Plenty of deep dive analysis there. I hope you'll continue to keep it locked on Lockdown Bears. I appreciate everybody listening and tuning in. And in return, I offer you the opportunity to bear down. <laughs>